if there's ever a time where we needed to pull together as believers of Christ and, and unite and try to strengthen and make the world a better place, it's now. Mm-hmm. And that, that sounds like he's yeah. preaching our message. <laughs> there's one body, one church, one spirit, one hope. The realities of the faith, the realities that unify us are already there. Christ praying for unity, what should we all be praying for? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the one prayer request of Jesus. Think about it in the Bible that we actually have a say in whether or not it comes to fruition or not. I think in what God has done in you guys in, uh, in this podcast and the, the multitude of folks that you're reaching, the diversity, whatever God intended when, he's, when you started this, he's able to bring it to completion. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua Knoll. Here is your other co-host, the one and only Tiberius Juan. Hello best known for his earwax candles. No. No? For his love of raspberries. Um, yeah. Anyway, so today we're here with Father Christian Siskos. Um, we've actually recorded this podcast before. Um, and we tried again yesterday, so third time's the charm. Hopefully this will go splendidly. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Father Christian's work at the Greek Orthodox Church. He goes to the same church as Father Jonathan. For some of our audience should be familiar with, it's the Trinity Orthodox Church in Charlotte. Am I saying that right, Father Christian? Yep, Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity. Okay. Greek Orthodox Cathedral. Awesome. And he uh, he leads the Spanish-speaking services at the Greek Orthodox Church, which we just found inherently interesting. As you know, it's a Greek church, but they're also speaking Spanish, and it's uh, it's really interesting, especially in Charlotte, where the Hispanic community has been growing pretty rapidly, which we'll be talking about later on. Um, but before we do that, we have a few things we have to do to kind of start off the podcast. Uh, one thing we recently started is our mini segment, the greeting card segment. Uh, so what that is, is I have just a small deck of cards here. They're just like note cards with uh, different things on them, like uh, the last thing that made you smile or your least favorite chore, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to shuffle through these. Father Christian will tell me when to stop. And whatever we stop on, he'll just tell us that about himself. I did add something, though, DJ. Okay. We have two gold cards now. They're really just okay. two of the note cards. I just kind of put orange highlight in the corner. If okay. he gets one of those, he'll answer, and then we'll go again for him to answer a different one. Okay. How do I know that that's uh, actually what it's landing on? You just got to trust him. You, you don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, you probably won't get them. There's like 14 cards here. Most likely won't get one of those two, but uh, yeah, one in seven odds. How bad? Yeah, I mean, it's not awful, but probably won't. Better than but a lot of them. Yeah. It's a, um, one of them is a question related to trains, and another one is a question related to ping pong or hockey. Oh. They're still, they're still pretty simple. So, yeah, Father Christian, I'm going to go ahead and start shuffling, and you tell me when to stop, and I'll let you know what your, uh, what you're letting us know or letting our audience all right uh stop all right it's not a gold card just simply Uh, let us know what the last thing to make you smile was wow last thing to make me smile man that's tough (laughs) i think i've been quite a while since i last smiled Oh, oh, that's that's sad. <laughs> Just kidding. Sounds <laughs> uh, like it was this question. <laughs> no, uh, I mean my son 
probably. You know, my my four month old son. That's right. The, the, yeah. Yeah, you've had a child since the first time we tried to record this podcast. That's right. That's awesome. Yes, since since then, that's for sure. Yeah. And now Thank our audience knows that. you're a father. See, this this works out. It helps. It helps. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I was updating my my Instagram page, which was pretty much non-existent because I think that I opened it for the first time was two two thousand seventeen. Oh, uh, mm. and then uh, I posted it sparingly, and then I checked it again. And I was like, "Oh, the last post I just posted it today. I posted something on it today, but the last post before that was before that was like 20, 2017, I think it was something like it was. It was a crazy amount of time. Even though I've used Instagrams like regularly, but I guess I never, I never really posted anything. But anyway, yes, my son. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. that's for yeah. sure. I can relate though. No, because that's sort of true, TJ. I, I just noticed the other day he does not post anything. I haven't posted since 2018. Really, I just post about my wife mostly. So, like, it's just like she has a second Instagram. It's really, really all mine is. Yeah, which is super necessary because she only has like 8,000 posts on hers. <laughs> yeah. yeah she, she Anyways, uh, so that's our green card segment. Thank you, Father Jonathan. Uh, so let's get into some needs for our podcast. Uh, of course, uh, we need you guys to share the podcast when we release the episodes. Send it to your friends. Put it on your story. Put it on your feed. Spray paint the link on an abandoned building. Uh, however you decide to share. Uh, leave a comment on one of the many platforms we're on that allows it. Uh, subscribe. Uh, we just got on the iHeartRadio app. Big news. So ooh, if you ooh. like if you like the iHeartRadio app more than Spotify, uh, go there, listen there. It's an option now. And uh, I believe that might be it for needs. <coughs> Patreon. <coughs> uh, of course, we would like you to consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we have several goals that we are, we would like to establish, uh, but we can do that later. Okay, and we'll just share those at the end of the episode. That works. Mm-hmm. And now we're moving on to our silly question. Uh, last time Father Jonathan, oh, sorry, Father Christian was on the show, this was still called our icebreaker question. Uh, yeah, because of climate change, there is no ice anymore, uh, so we had to rename it. <laughs> You so know, our silly question, what? I just wanted to appreciate that. TJ has such a, like, a dry, like, almost British humor. I was thinking about it whenever you were talking about just, like, where they can follow us and all that stuff. You, you said something. I was like, that was really funny. But, like, I didn't laugh. I was just like, that, that was funny. Very British sense of humor. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the office, the, the office, the UK version of the office. Yes. Very, um, very dry. Very. It's like funny for sure, but not, not haha not, humor. More like yeah. chuckle. Yeah, like it hits you later. Like you have clever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I haven't thought of a silly question yet, uh, so I'm gonna think of one right now. So, if your doorbell for your house had to be any song. And you could never change it, and the whole song played 
every time someone pressed the doorbell, what song would you choose? Uh, that's kind of like one of like a catch sunny too, because whatever song you choose, you're going to hate eventually. Oh yeah. So you start off with a song that you already hate and then just embrace it. Or do you start off with a song that you like and then you know that you're going to hate? Who knows? We'll see. Uh, so I know personally, uh, if I had to choose one song to hear every time someone pressed my doorbell in its entirety, uh, I would I would probably choose Mr. Blue Sky. Nice. Because it'll be exciting for a little while. And uh, hopefully by the time it gets annoying, I'll be able to move far enough away from my doorbell speaker uh, that I won't be able to hear it. But, you well, know, I, I think most people of- like it. I got a lot of thoughts going on. This this one's this is a tough one. But uh so immediately I just everyone should know that my brain is screaming for me to say the um Who Are You song by the Who. You know, who are you? But I know that would get on my nerves. But people He's don't really ring my song. doorbell that much. Do I? I'm already sick of that song. Yeah. But uh and then my uh, my next thought is What's something funny where the songs are pretty short? You know, usually cartoon TV shows have pretty short songs. So I'm wondering, if I choose the Phineas and Ferb theme song, will it play the whole song or just what they use for the theme? The whole song. Hmm. In that case, I'm going to go with... Uh... Riveting. Ah. Uh, I'm going to go with I Hate, or I don't know the actual name of the song, but the um, I Hate Myself song. I Hate uh, Myself? What? Which one song? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need you to elaborate. Well, let me, let me yeah. see if I can find it. I'm going to look this up and let you know what it is. All right, Father Christian, do you do you have an answer? Yeah, I'll go with the uh, the traditional birthday song. That's That was the first thing I thought. Oh, really? and then, <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, there's no way I could handle that. Oh uh, gosh! No well, I think I could handle it because at least, depending on how many people are living in my house, it would be right a few times of the year. Yeah, yeah. Then it'd just be fun holiday tradition. Go ring the doorbell. Exactly. All right. I give up on finding my song. I'm just gonna go with a uh, Nemesis from Phineas and Ferb. It's still a pretty oh. short song, but it, you know it involves how I finally have someone to despise, which. Just because I'll be angry, it's nice to have a song that has the word despise in it, at least. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. So now that's out of the way, uh, you weren't born in America, right, Father Christian? Uh, no, I was not. I was right. born in Southern America. All right. That's, yeah, sorry. The United States of. Uh, so yeah. what do you <laughs> tell us about your story coming to the United States and joining the Greek Orthodox Church. Um, let's see, what can I legally mention to you? Yes, uh, what uh, will not get you executed? The most? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, man. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I was born in, in, in Colombia, um, Barranquilla, Colombia, to be exact. Uh, and then my we so I, I grew up there until I was about six years um, six years old, and then my mother uh, decided that 
would be a good idea to come to um, to America. She she had actually come. She came herself, and then uh, and then she brought me over. Uh, and then we were we were. I think our first move was either to New Jersey or Brooklyn, somewhere in the New York area uh, or near New York. But I'm almost positive it was. If I were to guess, it would probably be Queens because there were, there, there were still are a lot of Hispanics there, Hispanic communities there. Um, and we, we were there for about two years before she met my now father. Um, she was working at, at one of the, as a cleaning lady, in one of the buildings in New York city. My father has his own construction company and he did, um, he was doing private construction one in the same apartment that my my mom was working in. Uh, they met over lunch. He took her to the train station. Um, I was awkwardly with them as well, but I was young enough to not know exactly what was going on. And then uh, they got together. They got married. And before they actually got married, we were baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church uh, so that she could come in as a, as a member. Uh, then they got married. And then from there, it's, that's how I've grown into, into the church in particularly because of my father's grandmother, uh, sorry, of my father's mother. So my grandmother on my dad's side and, uh, this old Greek lady who didn't speak any English at all. Um, she introduced me to a lot of aspects of the, of the faith and the church and it was very nice. Awesome. Yeah. So. Uh, give me a second. This the uh, all right. So, are the stories of other Spanish speakers uh, in your congregation often similar to yours? You know, that's a great question. Being being the fact that uh, I came into this into the church in September. September first was my was my start date. Um, fast forward to now, a lot of that time has been spent in quarantine. Um, yeah. And, th and then before that, I was get still getting to know the people. Everything was really new. Uh, so I can't say that I've, I've, I've gotten to yet intimately know the Hispanic community as much as I would like in within the Greek Orthodox community. So I'm not sure what their stories would be like. But I, I think that's a that would be a great place to start once things begin to reopen. All right. Because like half of the time that you spent at the church have not been at the church. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so unfortunate. It but is. Yeah, yeah. You have full liberty to use that question uh, when you start getting to know your congregation. Uh, Thank you. I was worried that it might be, it might be yeah. copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wait. So, we'll raid the claim. <laughs> Nice. So are you guys still with the quarantine? I know you started doing Spanish speaking services beforehand. Are you still doing those streamed online as well? Like you're doing the regular service and a Spanish speaking or. So we were doing, we started the Spanish services, I think early November or mid November. And then we went straight through the first week of March, I think, or the second week of March. Uh, we were doing one every, um, every couple of weeks or every third week, I think it was anyway. So we did a few for sure, and, and that was that was really nice. Um, once we entered our Lenten period, so this is before quarantine, we stopped the um, 
the Spanish Divine Liturgy, because in our um, in our tradition we don't actually do the 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 Divine Liturgy during the Lenten period, except on Sundays. So, because we didn't have other texts, other Hispanic texts, um, Spanish texts, we wouldn't we weren't able to do that. So we stopped sometime in early March. Um, and then since the quarantine, we have not had any um, Spanish liturgies since mm. then. That's uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, are you? It is, yeah. Are you excited to get back to that? Is that something you're looking forward to? Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it's... It's just kind of crazy because you don't really know where things are going right now. Now, I, I do wonder just also while we're talking about, you know, current events, uh, does the Black Lives Matter movement, has that really affected the Hispanic community? Do you, or do you really know? Crazy. Yeah. yeah. No, I saw on social media where I have, I have a couple friends who are Hispanic in the Charlotte area. And I've seen uh -huh. where so, some of them kind of are like, yeah, Black Lives Matter because, you know, the, support the oppressed minorities. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then some were like, okay, why is it just them? We're oppressed too. And I was like, oh. I have personally never felt um, oppressed in, in this country. That's good. And, I mean, and, and that, that's, that's not <laughs> in, in um, attacking the Black Lives Matter movement. And that's not yeah. um, defending their position or anything along those lines either. That's just my own personal experience. It's a small anecdote in the larger history of this of this nation. Right. That's encouraging. That's always nice yeah. to know that people you know aren't being oppressed. You know, like it's like oh, that. That's, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I I had a conversation with someone recently, and it was a for me it was a powerful quote. Um, so it it merits repeating. But this person had left. Um, I think it was either Ukraine or Russia uh, after it had been oppressed by communism for quite some time. And uh, he came to America. And when he came to America after he made friends and, and whatnot, he said, I'm so thankful that living in, in this other country um, under a truly oppressed government and environment I'm so thankful that I was able to free, flee to America. How terrible it is for you Americans, because when America falls, you have nowhere to go. So it's, you know, it's, that's a, I don't know, it's a powerful image because I, I think sometimes I, I wish, I wish we could have people do like living, instead of study abroad, you could do like living abroad programs. You know, live live in a different country for for six months or a year, and you'll see how great America is. That'd be pretty sick. I'd sign up for that. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be kind of torn. On the one hand, I'd be like, "Yeah, that'd be a good experience." On the other hand, I'd be like, "Wait a minute, this sounds like a trap." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Live somewhere else, right. and you see how great where you live is. Uh, sounds like I'm about to live somewhere bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. no, that's true. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, so earlier we mentioned that the Hispanic population uh, in Mecklenburg County, Charlotte, has grown a lot recently. And I believe uh, Hispanic now makes up 19% of the population. 
something crazy. Well, it was something like that, wasn't it, Josh? Yeah, I know it had it went from like less than five to more than ten, which you know I, I know. Yeah, it pretty much tripled or quadrupled in the last, uh, what was that, like, decade that we looked at? Right. Uh, so, Father Christian, uh, why do you think the Hispanic population in Charlotte is growing so rapidly? Well, first of all, that's a good question, right? It's, it's, in, it's interesting to know why any particular um, group or culture would be growing in a specific area, and if that's intentional or not intentional. Uh, for example, in... in in New York, Astoria used to be a predominantly Greek, uh, predominantly, um, Greeks would live in that, in that area. Uh, they have since moved out and, and are now, uh, for lack of better words, taking over Long Island or parts of Long Island or, and different, now different cultures are moving into Astoria. Um, but again, we, we have that, we see that everywhere. For example, Chicago is the largest and I know we're not talking about Greeks, but it's, it's the only fact that comes to my mind. Chicago has the largest uh, Greek population outside of Greece. Really? Why Chicago? You know, it's not, it's not, a, for me, it's yeah. not a beautiful part of the country. That seems like Greece, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's an ocean, you know, I'll think Chicago is known for. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The ocean, that, that's it. Yeah. There is no warm in Chicago, that's for sure. For us. It's or an ocean. <laughs> so, well, the, kinda... the, lake, the lake is pretty big. But anyway, um, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Just to kind of rewind in time, back to, I think you said it was November. What was it that originally made the Holy Trinity Church or in Charlotte decide that there was a need for a Greek church to have a Spanish-speaking service? I think that's a question I can I can answer. The other yeah. one is much more statistical, or I yeah. don't know, cultural or whatnot. But uh, yeah, so when when we when we say, and I think this is one of the issues in communicating our faith within America, the Orthodox faith, not just the, the Greek quote unquote faith, but the Orthodox faith, is because when people hear the word Greek Orthodox, they think that the church is only for Greek people. Um, and, uh, for example, if you go to Europe. And you go to the Orthodox Church in um, in Greece. Uh, it's not. It's the Orthodox Church. It has the, the the Greek is almost insignificant. It's just the Orthodox Church of that particular uh, country. The same in Ukraine. The same in Russia, Romania, Bulgaria, and and whatnot. There's not these like Bulgarian Orthodox or Ukraine Orthodox. You only find these divisions um, in the United States because we are such a melting pot. We don't have one, um, we, we, we're such a mix of so many different uh, cultures and, and ethnicities. So I, I, I just wanted to start with that because the Greek church is, it's, it's not the Greek church, it's the Orthodox church that's for everybody. It just so happens to be under the Greek um, patriarchate, the Greek Orthodox patriarchate uh, in Constantinople, with uh, which of course I'm, I'm sure you've heard about the uh, Hagia Sophia being turned into a mosque, which is a whole nother uh, conversation that we could get into. But anyway, so it's it's a Greek it's a Greek church, yes, but it's a it's an Orthodox church predominantly. Greek just happens to relate to its origin or um, its parent. But anyway, so the, this the Orthodox Church um, 
in particular, the Holy Trinity in Charlotte acknowledges the fact that many of our parishioners are married to Hispanic people. Uh, and interestingly enough, many of them are married to Colombian people. So you do have uh, Greek men um, and women that are brought into the church by these by, by marriages, which is a beautiful thing. And because of that, having come on board uh, September 1st and having spoken with the, the Dean of Cathedral, uh, Father Vasilius, he advised me and, and uh, suggested and, and thought it would be a good way to further spread the faith by offering a service that is entirely in the language of some of our parishioners. Since I have the, um, since I have by virtue of being Hispanic, uh, and born in Colombia, the ability to speak Spanish and mm-hmm. therefore just further servicing the church in that, in that, in that capacity. So would you say since, since such a high percentage of the people in Charlotte, are now Spanish-speaking people. Would you think that more of the churches in Charlotte should offer a Spanish-speaking service? Or even to go further, would the individuals like me, you know, I live near Charlotte, should I know more Spanish so that I can speak the gospel in that way? Or Yes. All right, TJ. How do you really feel? Uh, here's Here's what I would say. One of our limitations as the Greek Orthodox Church is that we many times, not not here in Charlotte, but in other places, the churches tend to offer the services entirely in Greek. That sets up a barrier for some people, and it sets up, but it's also a welcoming door for other people. In the same way, when you ha- offer services that are strictly in Spanish, that sets up the barrier for some people and will offer doors to other people. Um, is it depends on the vision of of the parishes and the churches here in, in Charlotte. Do they want to offer services spe- spe- specifically in Spanish for the purpose of bringing more people in? And if that's the case, they have to realize that by doing so, by offering the services strictly in Spanish, you will bring people in, but you might also bring people away. So there, I'm sure that there's like a good medium instead of offering services completely in Spanish. Maybe you can incorporate some um, Spanish elements into your service or having um, Spanish lectures or having a book that offers a translation for the English service into, um, into Spanish. You know, I think, there, I think there are other ways for ourselves. So I think that's the way the church, I mean, in my, in my limited perspective, could, could offer that ministry. But for ourselves, we should as best as we're able to learn one or two or three or five words in the predominant language of the, um, of the community that you live in. Uh, you know, for example, okay, we're, we're English, right? And we all know English. So that's the, that's the common, the common language, but you can learn if it's, if the predominant, uh, 19% is, is pretty high, you know? So if it's 19% of Hispanic people, you can offer, uh, you can learn a couple of words that, instead of being a barrier of language, now opens up you opens up a door for communication. Instead of saying hello, you can say hola, you know, or como estas. And this way, now now it's like you you become I don't know, it's it's almost it's almost more friendly. Yeah, it it shows intent to yes. familiarize, yes. which is important. 
Yeah, I actually, earlier today, it just so happened, I was listening to just some different worship songs. I had my own playlist. And um, one of the songs that came on was, um, which I'm sure I'm slaughtering pronunciation and accent and all that, but it was like Armor Sin Condition. Amor sin condición, yeah, yeah, and it's, um, um, love without condition. Yeah, and it's a it's the Spanish translation of the song "Reckless Love," but for me, I like that better. "Love without condition" just sounds better than "reckless." Wait, love "reckless me. love"? They so they translated "reckless" as unconditional. Yeah, well, I, I think it just sounded better for the song, but it's oh, the same song. Yeah. It's just yeah. they did that instead, and I was like, you know, I think that might even be more accurate. Love without condition mm-hmm. sounds a lot better than reckless love to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was just weird. Like I have a weird appreciation for that version of the song and I'm like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't get all the words cause you know, I'm not Spanish. I would like yeah. to get all the words cause language can kind of deepen your understanding of the scripture or even worship songs. Right. Oh uh, yeah. I would say so. The language languages offer a, a new perspective. I, I read or, or listened to somewhere that said, um, people who are in prison, who are incarcerated, have a very limited diction, and they think that there's a correlation between the amount of words that you're able, with which you're able to express your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions. Uh, the the more limited that is, the more tendency towards crime you may have. And I think that's interesting mm-hmm. because then the the more languages you have, <laughs> the more perspective. Uh, you know, for example, I think I've mentioned this last time, but in English, we have one word for love, but which is why it's, it, it, it can seem very limiting, right? There's already a barrier set up when a man says, I love you to another man, mm-hmm. because we interpret love only in one way. In Greek, you have four different words for love. You have the love that you show to your spouse, erotic love. You have the love that you show um, to a friend, philia. Uh, friendly love um you have the love that you show to uh um someone who is your mentor you know story you have a love that you show uh unconditionally agape right that's the christian love so it's uh here we just have one word i mean it's very it's limiting, very limiting yeah. we have to use a lot of adverbs <laughs> how many words are there in spanish for love just curious oh uh, that's a great question i'm not Gosh, I'm not sure. Amor, te quiero, te amo. I guess amo would be like amor. Te quiero would be like a little bit more tender. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Aren't they the romance language, right? Isn't like Spanish yeah. an offshoot of the Roma- romance language? Yeah, Spanish. It should, so it should have like 10 other ones. Italian, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they have plenty. Yeah. I was just curious because I was like, yeah, you know... It is weird to me because, especially, you know, in English, it, it can almost be confusing. Uh, I've heard recently that Spanish is like the language of context. You know, in English, I could say, I love blueberries. I can say, I love my wife. Or I could say, I love DJ. And they all mean completely different things. And you just have to know the context. That's not true. Yeah. Those all mean the exact same thing. Mm, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think I love my wife differently than I love TJ. Blueberries. <laughs> blueberries is about the same. Oh. <laughs> Let's not tell your wife. Romantic. Or the blueberries, depending. <laughs> she yeah. knows. The blueberries don't need to know. <laughs> oh, man. 
So uh, from your brief time that you did get to spend hosting Hispanic congregations at the church, uh, did you notice a different set of needs between Greek families and Hispanic families? Like, were they coming to church to fulfill different things? So in thinking that, I, I, I think, and again, I'm not sure, I, I would posit that different cultures, by virtue of races or where, they, where, where they've grown up and where they're from, have, um, have different group uh, attributes. Um, like they say a lot of the Hispanics are loud. Well, they say that for Italians and Greeks and whatnot. But even just by virtue of the food, let's say, like the food that uh, Hispanics eat is vastly different from the food that Greeks eat, right? That's why it's called a Mediterranean diet. And I think if we apply that in a spiritual context, there is the Mediterranean spiritual diet for the Greek people that is probably not the same as the diet, the spiritual diet for the Hispanic community. So in that sense, I would say that there are different needs for a Hispanic community um, and different needs for a Greek community, although they all have Christ as the focus. Mm-hmm. So different cultural upbringings engender different, you know, spiritual needs. Can you think of any specific needs of the Hispanic community that those in the church could better foster to, or, you know, better care for. Hispanic communities are very um, family-oriented, and they usually brunt. They, they, they put family first before uh, many other things. Um, they're, a lot of them are very hardworking um, in, in what they do. They take, I have noticed in my own experience, uh, when living in New York, uh, they would take more low-paying jobs uh, for the sake of having a job and being able to support the family. Again, this is just from my own experience. That does not mean it's applicable to everybody. From from that perspective, I would say that when you're talking to, um, uh, if if you're connecting with with uh, with um, Hispanics, in particular in Charlotte your only need first and foremost is to connect with an, another human being. It has nothing to do with their particular cultural race or ethnicity or whatnot. Connect with them on the level of human being. Um, if you're in a position of authority and have the ability to do more than that, there are other venues. Um, I, I would say in particular where, where, where it relies on opportunities, providing opportunities members of the Hispanic community um, so that the job that they're in is not the only job that they're in for the rest of their life. It provides opportunities for uh, higher paying positions or positions with more responsibility and authority. That would be, that would be on, the, uh, on, on one side. On the other side, offer, and maybe not opportunities, but ways in which they care for and tend for their family unit in ways that are particular to them. The Greek, the Greek communities are very like, um, they're very, what's the word? They're very also family oriented. I, I, I would almost say in a, in a little bit of a different way, small nuance. They're like, 
they're like the island of Greece. They all work together, but they're slightly separated. While the America is like family. this, yeah, ex- yeah, or even yeah, or even the nuclear family too. But in America, in Southern America, it's like one big continent with all these different people. You know, I would say that's that's more similar to the Hispanic community. One's not better than the other. It's just a little bit of a nuance. So, would you say like the Greeks are more like intimate family? Like it's a closer, smaller group family, whereas Hispanics, it's maybe family means a little bit, includes a little bit more people. I mean, maybe not even necessarily your own kids, but you know, friends of kids and that kind of thing. Yes, I would say so. But you do, again, you do find similar love yeah. I was trying to figure it out. in the Greek family. Yeah, I was just curious. I know um, it, it's weird. We, my family's moved around a lot. And I know, you know, in the Charlotte area, when they say family, the people I work with and they're, you know, doing family stuff, they pretty much mean their immediate family, you know, their parents and they're like other sibling. It's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Kentucky, where a lot of my family is, you know, if they say family, they mean, you know, all of your cousins, all of your siblings, your parents, your grandparents, all of your parents, siblings, all of your grandparents, you know, it means everybody. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still talking about family. Just, they mean different things by family. Usually they're more inclusive. Mm-hmm. I was just curious mm-hmm. if those sort of the same kind of heart. Yeah. I, th- I think really it's, it comes down to, does your family all attend the church and do they all attend the same church? Uh, Cause that's something I noticed with my family of a million and two. Uh, when we're all attending the same church and we go out to eat ap- for lunch after church, we have to reserve a table for like 21. Okay. <laughs> which is awful. What's yeah. your, uh, what's your background? Uh, which background? Ethnicity, race. I mean, I don't know what uh, English, are you, are you, Lithuanian. You know, English. Yeah, oh, Lithuanian. Okay, couple removed, but yeah. So that's that's just how we do things. You know, we know if we're going to our grandma's house, we're going to see all ten mm-hmm. of our cousins and our yeah. I think, that, uh, but that's because we all we do. all really close. Also, it has a lot to do with how close you are to like the city. You know, I feel like people who are, you know, here in Charlotte, a lot of people are, there's so much to do, but you're more worried about doing stuff with a closer and kind of smaller group. Whereas, you know, further out in the country, like Kentucky or where teaches at like Spartanburg, hanging out with your family is what you do. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Anyway. What, what are some good ways that the whole church can unite? including all of these different, you know, kind of racial and ethnic backgrounds, you know, obviously at your church, you do a really good job at uniting with the Greek and the Hispanic congregation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. What about when we get outside of that? What's a good way for us all to kind of imitate that and unite across some of these ethnic borders? Yeah. I mean, I think I gave one example already, which is learning a few words in that dialect or not. I'm sorry, in that language. Uh, another one, and is, for example, the Holy Trinity, our cathedral throws a Greek festival every year, which unfortunately we won't be having this year. And that's, it's a huge, it's a huge shame with, with everything that's going on. Like we have the COVID-19 riots and everything. It makes a lot of sense 
but it's a way that we service we, we serve the community charlotte at, at large um and, and it pains us a lot that we're not able to do that but i would say that one way that we can reach out to to for example any community really but let's say the hispanic community is offering them a table uh at the at the festival for them to share their sell or share their own foods i think would be a way to do that you know because then you're inviting a particular culture into your own festival of course it would it, it would probably do well if it wasn't called the greek festival then because then it, it would <laughs> you're inviting different um, cultures and and foods and whatnot that would be a whole different idea but i think that's one way to do that if, if you have a if you're in a particular parish or in a, in a place of authority um with responsibility to be able to invite different groups that you want to connect with to different functions that you will have or maybe have so the church should start having taco tuesday <laughs> i don't know if that is that racist i mean <laughs> no, taco tuesday is a nationally recognized holiday we're good Every, yeah, so, except yeah. it's every Tuesday, <laughs> every single Tuesday. Every single, yeah, yeah, it's a great day. We no, just all do more like Epcot, do the eating around the world thing, but at church. Yeah, yeah. So just build that community, basically. Invite the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't just uh, invite them, but share in their culture. Don't invite them and then be like, "All right, we're gonna have, you know, whatever you've been doing. Do something that's from that culture." Right. Have a oh, totally. Yeah. And I, so, if we started doing that, if we had, you know, big, invite everyone, multicultural fests and potlucks, uh, what do you think we would see change within the church? I don't know. America is so young, and it's tricky to understand what that looks like. Again, yeah. when when I when I reflect on the on the way the church has embraced and adapted to the cultures that it, it, it has missionized to in Europe or in, on the, in, on, in the East, it looks very different. I mean, the church goes in, um, in a sense, it's almost like a virus. It like infiltrates the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the country or the culture and then Christianizes everything in a beautiful way and organically, unintentionally. Um, but in a way that it's it's all holistic, it's all beautiful and, and organic. Here it's different because we're in such a melting, because we, America is such a melting pot. It's not a nation of of Romanians or a nation of Hungarians or Russians or Europeans or Greeks or Italians. No, it's, it's you've got all these people together. So I'm I'm not sure what that looks like. I mean, this I this is one way to to what you said and what I said is one way to embrace or acknowledge these communities. But I don't think you can do that continuously. You know, at some point, as in particular to the church, it has to focus solely on Christ rather than ethnicity. Ethnicity would be like the gateway, the door, um, the invitation to come into the banquet hall, which is Christ. All right. So we just have to try and see. Maybe. <laughs> can I get can I get y'all's permission to read some from the Bible or the Bible? Uh, what is that? <laughs> to me, that's the uh, it's the Christian book. <laughs> oh, Jesus. that one book, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I heard it's the best selling book. I just haven't been able to pick it up. 
Yeah, it comes. It, it's it's actually Torah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So I got um. It's Romans eleven. I don't know what version this is. I just googled it because I was like, hey, well, something something you just said made me think of this. So I just wanted to read from it. But Romans eleven seventeen through twenty four. Um, whatever version this is says, uh, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree have been broken off, and you Gentiles were branches from a wild olive tree and have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must, you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. Uh, it goes on and says, God did not spare the original branches. He won't spare you either. It says, if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. Um, and the whole thing just kind of keeps going back and forth. He says, um, he says he'll be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. And it talks back and forth about it. And it's, it's interesting because when it says Jew in the Bible, it is both talking about religious people who were Jewish and also that ethnic racial group, right? The Jews and um, the Gentiles or any other ethnic or racial group. Mm -hmm. And what uh, Paul's saying there in Romans, he's talking about, yeah, God chose this people who were both this religious people, but also this ethnic racial background. And some of them fell off. So he's grafting in other people. He's taking other people, putting them onto his tree. That doesn't mean he won't take the original ones back. But we're all kind of becoming part of this same tree. Christianity is its own sort of melting pot in that way, right? And I think... Well, yes. Uh, if, can I pause you there for a second? Is absolutely. Okay? I, it, 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 it is a melting pot, but not in the way that we think... When, not in the way that we think of melting pot in, like, America, for example. Because America is a melting pot because, in, in, in a sense... Because people retain their identity still. In other words, when I come over, let's say I come over from Russia and I come to America, you're called a Russian American or, I don't know, a Romanian American or Greek American. I don't know what the word is. But you, many people, even now, still retain that identity. And this, I actually just had a conversation with this about, some, with, about this with someone yesterday. But you come to America and it's a melting pot because the ethnicities are still there. They're still very present. That's why you have. Um, I think little Chinatown in New York, little Italy, Italy different areas. They, so they still retain those identity. The melting pot in Christ is something completely different. When you come into Christ, it is no longer Jew nor Greek. It is neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ. I don't know. That's some, some scripture. St. Paul says that somewhere. But that's, that's the melting pot. It's completely different. It's, in other words, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't really matter. When you come into Christ, you're all one. You leave those things behind you to embrace what is better. Right. The melting pot of America is like jambalaya. You know, it has a bunch of ingredients. They're all distinct. Uh, but you can still taste them all separately. You can tell mm -hmm. they're all different. Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity is like cheese. You mix a bunch <laughs> of cheeses together and it's just one cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's... It's something, the Christian. I don't know where it is in the Bible, but it talks about our identity is no longer in ourself and in these things that, you know, we like or, you know, 
to attack popular culture today. It's not in your sexuality, believe it or not. When you're a Christian, your identity is in Christ. That's the end of the story. And that might look different for different people, right? Like, um, I don't expect, okay, we're all now Christians. We all suddenly speak the same language. I don't expect that by no means. That's not going to happen. But it does mean at the end of the day, I'm not European or Hispanic or Muslim or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm Christian. When you ask what I am, you ask my background, that, that's the foremost thing. And maybe there's other parts to that, right? Like, um, we're all chicken. TJ might be, you know, seasoned with some Cajun seasoning. I might be seasoned with oregano. Might have a little bit different flavor, but still chicken. That's kind of how I think of it. All right. Uh, so that's all we have for the actual questions part of the podcast. Uh, thank you, Father Christian. Uh, so. You know, you've done this before, uh, this exact one, actually. That's crazy. But, <laughs> you know, for our outro, uh, there's a bunch of things that we have done in our outro. Uh, Josh's personal favorite segment is the train talk, uh, which I will be doing today because I saw something that blew my mind. Yeah, he, he told me this the other day, and it's still just – I couldn't describe – how anxious but, I am to hear what he has to say. Uh, unfortunately, it is about the band train. Still and cool. it's that apparently a bunch of people really don't like the band train. What? How? Just a t- I was just on Instagram and I saw a ton of people bashing train. Why? They're like, the lyrics don't make sense. It's garbage pop. It just, it blew my mind. There were a ton of people saying that. That that does blow my mind. Especially because, you know, originally we have this train playlist on Spotify. It it was sort of a joke at first. Then we were like, these are all great. And the more I listen to it, I honestly think Train is probably my new favorite band. I listen to them fairly regularly. I don't think I've ever heard of them. Train? Yeah. Oh, we'll help you after afterwards. Uh, Play that song. There's a, there's a few uh, drops of Jupiter, all great songs. But uh, it was really funny, actually, DJ. Recently, someone at my work told me, and it was actually just really weird. Uh, it's a girl I work with. Was like, "Hey, oh like, yeah. my gosh!" She's like, "You you started one of my uh, what was it? You started my newest um, guilty pleasure." And I was like, "Oh God, that sounds bad." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, no, I just I listen to train songs when no one else is around." I actually really like them now, but you know, I feel like I can't tell anybody. I thought that was weird. Now that makes more sense. Everybody's apparently bashing train on Instagram. So then we all have to I know train. train fans. Well, yeah, yeah, like I, I just pulled it up on Spotify. Yeah. They're great. Hey, yeah, Soul you know train. Sister. Yeah. Hey, that song. Yeah. You know, I have a new favorite train song, like song by the band train, having listened more frequently. Hmm. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard the song Mermaid by Train? Super good. No. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's all for Train Talk. Uh, there are a bunch of people out there bashing one of the best bands on the planet. Thanks yeah. for listening. That's you're right. That did kind of make me sad, DJ. <laughs> I thought it would. Yeah, that's all. He, all he told me the other day was he had a Train Talk, and I was excited. And he was like, "Oh, don't be excited. You'll hate it." And I was like, "Oh, I think he's right. I don't like that." Anyway, so uh, we don't do that segment every every time, but 
one thing we do every time is we have our God segment for the podcast, or God segment, or God moment for the podcast. Yeah, hopefully all of the segments are God segments, but our God moment segment is just something we do where we share something God that God's been doing in our lives recently, whether that's been, you know, just a blessing, a moment of worship, something that God's challenged us with, pretty much anything that God's been doing in our lives. We just like to share it for our audience so that they know we're real people. And apparently it's some people's favorite segment. So now we feel obligated to do so. I, mean, I was just going to, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll actually go ahead and start if that's okay, TJ. I'll allow it. Now, my God moment, I've actually had a few, but I've decided that I'm going to start posting my extra God moments just on the Patreon. So if you all want to hear my other God moments, go there. That way I can limit it to one for the podcast. Yeah. Um, yesterday, when we were originally going to record, was the four-year anniversary of an accident I had where I basically died and came back. And it was just, it's a whole crazy thing that got um T-bone by truck going really fast and it was awful. It's changed my life in a lot of ways. And um some of these ways, you know, I, I like to, I wouldn't say I focus on. I talk about it more frequently than I should probably about, you know, not being able to run the same or not being able to, you know, do this or that or my brain not working the same way. And it, and it does concern me. But um a couple of things recently has challenged me at that. One was my wife just saying, Hey, be more thankful that you're here trying to be thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful, you know, I'm here. I was able to meet my wife, get married. We're going to Arizona tomorrow or tonight. Pretty cool. And uh, another thing was, I forget which podcast it was. No, actually, it was in Christianity Today. I was reading the magazine. They mentioned one of my favorite verses, which is in Zechariah 4. I don't remember what verse. I want to say 7, but I don't really remember. But God's talking to the people of Israel who are, you know, upset about all these awful thing not not awful things they're upset because they didn't like their new leaders and they don't like this and that but all of their anxiety god's like hey you are in exile i just gave you your land back just be thankful and what he says is um don't despise the day of small things even if you don't like a lot of what's going on obviously we're in the quarantine right now not everybody likes a lot of what's going on and god's saying hey don't despise the day of small things and this just kind of reminded me of that, that how important that is for me, you know, to be thankful for these small things where I, I get to go to Arizona. I can still walk. I can hike. You know, they didn't think I was going to be able to do that. You know, oh, no, it's just really cool. So Zechariah 4 or something, don't despise the day of small things. But yeah, that, that's, uh, that's my moment. TJ, did, uh, has God been doing anything with you recently? All of it, actually. Next question. All right. So uh, Father Christian. But, uh, <laughs> but yesterday... Uh, I was just hanging out, doing absolutely nothing, like I am want to do on uh, your regular any day. Uh, and my friend messaged me uh, and was like, hey, I just saw a bunch of stuff about like what the original land of the Jewish people was and, you know, all stuff about Hebrew history. And uh, what can you tell me about that? And like, what does it say in the Bible? And I, it was just super cool uh, that a friend of mine reached out and was like, "Hey, will you will you teach me what the Bible says about this?" And I, I just thought that was awesome. That is pretty cool. Yeah. So I googled everything and then told him that. 
Because <laughs> I didn't know that off the top of my head. That's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, so oh, other Christians, has God been doing anything with you recently? Oh, gosh. I'm like a really rusty, dull knife. And God's the surgeon, and he's just like, well, who put this here? <laughs> you know? Um, but I, one, one of the things I've, I've been inspired to do recently is, um, especially because of quarantine, my, my God's ministry in me is a little, feels a little bit limiting because I'm not able to interact with people on a more daily basis. So I'm transitioning now to a little bit more of, um, online ministry. Uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm working on some scripts for YouTube videos. I've, I'm going to do daily reflections on, on Instagram. Uh, today I posted my first one. I stayed up pretty late last night running out, writing out the next couple of ones. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, I, so that, that inspiration, I feel like is a, is a small God moment push in a, in, in a, in a direction, you know? Yeah. So, awesome. yeah. 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 Send us all the information for that stuff and then we can put <laughs> it in the description. Sure. Yeah. I would I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Father Christian. Awesome God moment. Uh, and that's. Sorry. Hmm? Uh, now to wrap up, I would like to go over our podcast needs again. If you've listened this far, congratulations. You get to hear us beg for money. Uh, <laughs> Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can support us and you get access to a few things. Uh, but for $3 a month, uh, you get access to the Too Long Didn't Listen segment, uh, which we do after the podcast. Uh, it's just a, an as short as possible summary of the episode that you can listen to if you don't really have time or just want a quick rundown. Or if you uh, just think it's funny. Or if you just think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, but you get access to that. Uh, we've got a few goals that we would like to meet on Patreon. Uh, mostly for things to improve our value. Yeah, one we're super close to. Yeah. Uh, if we just had, like, 215 people giving a dollar a month. Oh, God. <laughs> no. I did not think you were going to go with that first. No. Uh, of course, you can support for as much as you want. Uh, but our current goals are $21, $21 a month. Uh, and that supports the server we use to upload these videos. Yeah, which uh, um, that, that means we'd come out even. Right now we're at 19 So if just two of you guys gave a dollar, we would no longer be losing money to do this podcast. Be right. Uh, twice that, uh, $42 a month, uh, we would, of course, be able to pay for the server and, uh, a superior editing software. That so would be great. You'd enjoy We know you want more. one. Uh, for $95, this is where it gets crazy. <laughs> for $95 a month, uh, we could get that and new recording equipment, which would up the quality of the podcast drastically. It's really something we desperately <laughs> and then of course our basically the farthest we can see into the future is $215 uh, we'd be able to pay for a professional editor wouldn't that be nice 
It'd be great. I know somebody. But, but we're at nineteen dollars currently. <laughs> uh, anyways, please consider supporting us, and of course, uh, share the episode. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your dog. Like, comment. Like, comment, subscribe. Yeah. If you're already following us on Apple Podcast, go ahead and go to Spotify and iHeartRadio. Follow us three mm-hmm. times. Yeah. Boost those numbers for us, please. Yeah. Fraud is and, great. Uh, yeah. I think that's <laughs> all we need. If you have any feedback you would like to give us, please email us at church at gmail.com. And you can leave a comment on our social medias, any of that stuff. Yeah. And, um, Got a few future guests lined up for you guys. Uh, one is our good friend, Zem Mims, who is a music educator, who's also a member of the Presbyterian Church. It'd be interesting to talk to him. Pastor Chris Galloway has agreed to come back on. We got some uh, surprising interesting stuff to talk to him about. Mm-hmm. You have to keep listening uh, to figure out what that is. We've, we've also got uh, Brother Jared Martin, someone we know pretty well, lined up. Uh, um, Gary Atkins, again. Pastor, Pastor Bobby Winburn. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Pastor Bobby Winburn is what I was about to say. Yeah, which uh, I, I wanted to mention that specifically because that's actually going to be a um, smash up. What, what's the name of that? I don't know. I don't know what you're trying he to is a, He has his own podcast. It's the Traveling Stories podcast. And we're going to be oh, on that. Cool. Yeah, it'll be both. Yeah, crossover episode. Cry out. Yeah, it'll be a crossover episode. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Father sorry. Jonathan, who. I believe Father Christian might know. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, of course, at the end of the season, uh, we will have one Mr. Francis Chan. Is he a doctor? No. But he also doesn't know he's going to be on, which is probably important. As soon as we get to him, and as soon as he lets us know. Yeah, which (laughs) he'll agree to, I'm sure, right? Yeah, of course. Anyways, (laughs) uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Thank you so much for your support. And please consider supporting us on Patreon to hear what we're going to record next.